We have a, a very special day today planned for our time together. We're going to celebrate ordination of five uh, ordination candidates, and I'll introduce them to you in just a moment. So it's a very special day in the life of Christ Church for us to gather together and celebrate. It'll, it'll be a day we'll always remember. It'll move us into a new chapter. But before that, we do that. I want to uh, encourage you to, to pull out the prayer and connection cards and the seat backs in front of you. Everybody pull one of those out right now and fill out a prayer request so we can be praying for you. These prayer requests go to our 24-7 prayer room. They go out to our uh, dozens and dozens of prayer warriors interceding for the needs of God's people all through the week. So pull those out, fill those out, and drop them in the offering boxes at the back of the room before you leave. If you're new, we're glad you're here. Uh, you may want to hang on to your card. On the other side of that prayer card is a connection card. Fill that out and turn right as you leave. We'd love to meet you, uh, answer any questions you have, give you a gift uh, just because you're here. We, we love the fact that you're here today, and we want to help you get connected to the life of the church. want to let you know that two weeks from today is another worship night. Anybody love worship nights here at Christ Church? We're all excited about that, so on July 9th, we'll have a worship night here, so put that on your calendar, be planning for that that evening. And then on August 9th, we're starting our new Freedom Basics class in preparation for Kairos in September. So if you haven't gone through Freedom Basics yet, I encourage you to sign up for that class, go through that class together. I also want to encourage you, I've been asked to do this, I want to encourage you to follow Christ Church on social media. It will help you reach out to your friends and help you invite them to be a part of the family here. So whatever social media you're on, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's Christ People ICT. Just like and share. I feel a little bit like a young boy on a playground asking a girl, to, do you like me? You know, just, just press, just, just like our page and all of our Instagram or all of our social media so, so that that goes out on your feed and encourages people you know to come and be a part of the family here. As I said, Pastor Norm Nevins, Pastor Brandon Holbrook, Pastor Kathy Turner, Pastor Doug Hodgins, and Pastor David Carrillo are being ordained today. And we're celebrating this very special day in their lives and in all of our lives as we celebrate what God is doing here and in their lives. And so to prepare for that, I want to ask you to watch this video to get to know them if you don't already. So I was called um, by the Lord when I was 17 years old and uh, I was living in Guatemala City. I grew up in Guatemala. And uh, I remember one day going out on a mission trip and the Lord calling me to um, help people return back to his word, I would have never imagined I was going to end up being a pastor to Hispanic people in Wichita, Kansas. Well, I knew God was calling me to ministry when I was 17 years old. And uh, since that time, you know, he has led me across the country um, from Kentucky to Oklahoma and then to Wichita, Kansas. In 2012, we attended a church conference and God clearly put the calling of pastor on my life. It was about three years after that before I took that step into ministry. And during that time, I really struggled uh, with feeling prepared or equipped to do the work of the ministry. And the reason I felt that way is because I didn't have a Christian education. And it was during that time that God really spoke to me and, and told me that it's not about the education, it's about the calling and about being obedient and that he would take care of the rest. For me, I'd say that my calling has been a, a process. The Lord's been working on me for a long time to uh, just build me to the place where I'd actually submit and, and be useful for Him. And uh, it's been a process since I've been here at Christ Church. My call to ministry came over a period of quite a few years, and it was a long journey of discovery of what God was calling me to do. I've always been in ministry, but the ordination process took me on a journey of really coming to a place of understanding and deciding that um, in my own heart and mind that I was called to ministry and that God had definitely 
given me a calling and ordained me for this time. Yeah, the ordination process has been wonderful. The fellowship with the other pastors here at Christ Church has been wonderful. Praying and encouraging one another through the situations um, has been one of the most impactful things and also necessary things in ministry. I've been grateful for the ordination process in place and the way it's helped me to grow as a pastor and as a person. For me, it wasn't really about an accomplishment, but it was more about a fulfillment of a promise that God had given me in the beginning. It was a process of lots of questioning, a process of meeting with people, a process of uh, meeting with the Lord and, and really hearing from Him that He had really indeed called me to ministry. Not just because I'm Dennis's wife, but because of me as an individual and as a woman of God. While there's been an education process for me, really the thing has been really getting to know our team better, growing closer and spending that time really learning and challenging each other along the way that's meant so much to me. And overall, really, I just feel so extremely blessed that I get to be here and serve as part of this family and wanna thank you all for that. So thank you, Christ Church. Thank you to my wife, to my kids, those that have supported me along this way. I love you and I love serving the kingdom with you. I can thank just so many people, you know, Doug, uh, for calling me out and dragging me along and Pastor Dennis for leading me, but especially my wife and daughter for loving and caring for me all along the way. I really want to thank the elders of Christ Church, Jim and Jeff and the others who really walked with me through this time of really understanding what ordination was and that they indeed did see a calling on my life. In that calling, you know, my parents have always been supportive. And so I want to thank you, Mom and Dad, for being supportive. And I want to thank my wife, Corey, who was there at the beginning when God called me and has supported me um, throughout the, the whole process up until this day. And it's just an honor to serve and to minister here at Christ Church. Thank you, Pastor Dennis and the elders for the church that, that you have led and uh, that I've been a part of. Well, this morning we have invited, um, you might say, one of our pastors in the city and certainly a pastor in, in very important ways to Christ Church, although we don't get to see him every Sunday, Dr. Don Davis. Don, would you come on up? This is uh, Dr. Pastor Reverend uh, Brother Don Davis, and he is coming. You, many of you know Dr. Davis. He leads the ter the the, the Urban Ministry Institute, uh, probably one of the large, sem largest seminaries in the country, maybe in the world uh, now with the collective student body that's a part of that. Um, Don has been an important brother to me and a prophetic and pastoral voice to this congregation. We love having him here every chance we get. And I, when I asked him, he said, of course, I want to come and speak in to this time of ordination and into each of the lives that are being ordained today. So please welcome with me, would you, Dr. Don Davis. Yeah, Dennis is a sweet brother, I'm telling you right now. I just, And he's so accurate the way he described me. I just... This is a man of truth, man of truth. This is an opportunity for Christ Church to participate in the great church of Jesus Christ in the world. Christ Church as an individual congregation is exercising its responsibility and privilege to actually identify, uh, confirm, and release under shepherds of the church of God into ministry. And they're doing that today. This is a high honor for me. I'm a churchman. I, I, I do church like a wine connoisseur does. A wine. I love the church in all of her amazing forms. Uh, and this is a major, important, and totally significant moment in the life of this church and the church around the world. I want to talk about shepherding God's flock. Uh, and, and in some ways, to think about this, to think about ordination, you have to sort of think with the mind of, of the writers 
of the apostles and prophets of Scripture. If you were to do a sort of canvas, the entire Bible, uh, there would be three major metaphors of the church in the, in the Scripture. Uh, the, 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 these, these metaphors sort of, they, they, they undergird virtually everything that the apostles want to say about the church. The first one would be the family of God. God is our Father. Christ is our elder brother. The Holy Spirit is the love connection between us. We are the family of God from every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Uh, we make up an amazing community, living, dead, and unborn. Every person who has said yes to the saving grace of God who has ever lived, the family. We are also the body of Christ, Jesus himself being the head and all of us being united as members, uh, regenerated by the Holy Spirit, actually actually baptized, placed into the body of Christ by the Spirit, to, which is now uh, under Christ's control. And then the final metaphor, the family, the body, and then the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are, as individual bricks, Peter tells us, being built together on the foundation of Christ, who himself is the capstone. We are being made into this wonderful, glorious sanctuary that God Almighty lives in by his Holy Spirit. We are the family. We are the body. We are the temple. But there's another metaphor that really speaks to this whole thing of ordination. We are the sheep. Kind of dumb, kind of silly, but we in, in need of constant care. Vulnerable, amazing. We are the flock of God. And if you read the scripture, there's nothing that is more clear than that Jesus, Jehoshua, Yeshua, uh, however you want to say his name, he is seen in Scripture as the chief shepherd. He is the, he is the shepherd of shepherds that leads the entire family of God, the flock of God, and quite literally, he's the one who appoints by his own gifting and anointing under shepherds to care for him. This is Jesus' name as he would have written it probably in school. It's uh, Yeshua in, in Aramaic. Uh, Jesus is in fact the shepherd of God's flock. He's the chief shepherd. And everything that occurs in his church, he does. He is the, he is the core of this. He's the way to understand ordination. All ordained leaders in the church are built on his example. As a matter of fact, the entire story of the church, that it is celebrated now for more than 17, 18 centuries, the story of the church here is all linked Every episode in this great story is built on Christ's role as shepherd. You can view it through the lens of shepherd. As a matter of fact, the great theologian of the 5th century, Vincent of Lorenz, said that this story, this one great tale of the Nazarene and his love for his own, this is what has been believed everywhere, always, and by all of us. Every Christian everywhere has, has always affirmed these things. As a matter of fact, these things you know. Uh, the, Jesus, the promise of our Lord was given that he would, be, uh, he would be born in the city of David, who is also a shepherd. Guys, Moses was a shepherd. Joseph was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. Shepherding, this is a this, the hope of the biblical faith is sort of anchored in the idea that there would come one from David who would be born in David's town who would in fact be shepherd. And we celebrate this at, at Christmas. Christ the Savior is born in the city of David. The Magi came from three months in modern day Iraq. It easily took them that long uh, traversing by land to come and offer gifts to the Christ child and quite literally, in that story, that the, the, the epiphany story, Micah 5.2 is quoted by the scribes to Herod. It is going to be this little town, which is too small to be among the clans of Judah. Actually, from this place, one would emerge out of which God's own dear shepherd would come. So epiphany, uh, this season of light and the manifestation of Christ, the church uh, in its feasts, and remembrances, remembers that. Uh, when we think about all the way through the church here, Holy, Holy Week, our Lord led his own like a shepherd on his way to Jerusalem, and then he gave his life in that faithful, what, what uh, the theologians call the great three, uh, the, 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 the Paschal Triduum, 
uh, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, our Lord gave his life. Three days after that, he rose from the dead. <laughs> yes, I'll say my own amens on that. Jesus of Nazareth is alive. This ain't some made-up story. I like what C.S. Lewis said. Christianity is perfect myth that has become absolute fact. Yeah. The old English brother knew some things, didn't he? Yeah. Jesus is alive. That's why we can have an ordination. To, 40 days after he rose from the dead, he ascended to the right hand of God, and he is there now in power, anointed, glorious, with a body that mine is going to conform to one day, waiting on the Father's signal to crack the sky, come down to earth, and set up a new order. We're going to live forever in a new place. And according to the scripture, we will shine like stars in the kingdom of our Father. 80,000 years from now, the world will have to deal with some form of Don Davis. Whew, that's going to be great. Guys, Christ is alive. That's why we can have under shepherds. He's alive now. This is, we're not making this up. This isn't fairy tale. He's alive, sitting at God's right hand and calling men and women from all over the world to represent him. Ten days after he ascended, he sent the Holy Spirit. And this, this simple little image, image of Pentecost, is one of the oldest in Christian history. The, the lamb who is also a shepherd. This reigning lamb is also head of the church. We now testify to, to, to him throughout the world and have for the last 2,000 years. And our hope is anchored in two little Greek words, Maranatha, our Lord come, because one day soon, this Nazarene who walked the earth is going to come back in glory and set up a kingdom that will never end. So this entire story, I just went through the whole Bible in like two minutes. This whole story is anchored in the idea that God Almighty is the shepherd of his people. God has determined from eternity past to draw out of the earth a people that will belong to him forever. Living dead and unborn from every country, kindred, town, and nation, we are going to inherit the earth in a new way. Yeah, put that in your pipe and smoke. We are, we are guys, the, the children of God. And so today, Christ Church just affirms its place in this great story. It is ordaining under shepherds of God, ordained for radical care. And I'm going to give a few comments based on 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. Not the length of the comments I would prefer, but all things cross-cultural are good in the body of Jesus. Look, I'm, you know my first thing in heaven, I'm going, to, I'm going to form a club called the Eutychus Club. You know who Eutychus was? Eutychus was the brother who sat on the, on the, on the, on the seal and he got tired and he fell asleep and, and went down and died. You won't be able to be in my preaching club in heaven if you can't preach a three-year sermon. <laughs> what are we going to do? What do you got to worry about? For those who are preachers, come on now. I'm, I'm telling you, the newly ordained. Think about that. Okay, don't say that, Dennis. That's dangerous to say to me. Don't, yeah, okay, yeah. The second service, okay. Guys, I want to deal with just three little points in one very significant thing. I want to address those who are being ordained. Peter in 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 1 through 4 gives us three integrated insights in the way we should understand the anointing, the, the, the identification, the confirmation, the release of ordained people into ministry. I want to talk about those. Uh, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. So I exhort the elders among you, this is Peter speaking, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, uh, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, he tells these budding shepherds, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And he ends this by saying, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. <laughs> oh, what a day that will be. So I want to talk about shepherding God's flock, about exercising oversight for the sake of radical care. 
you will see in the Bible there is no authority given to any Christian leader to do anything but to edify. There is no Christian authority to tear down in any sphere. You cannot tear down people. Human beings are to be served, to be cherished, to be loved, to be, to be blessed, to be enjoyed, to be, to be uplifted, edified, built up. There is no authority to tear down. And all of that authority, that oversight, must be done in three ways, not under compulsion. It must be willing service, willing as God would have us. It cannot be for shameful gain, uh, but, but it must be done eagerly from the heart. It cannot be done in a domineering, overbearing manner. Uh, those under our charge must be lifted up. We must go low in order to lift them up by being examples of the flock. These three things, not under compulsion but willingly, not for shameful gain but eagerly, not domineering those under our charge but as examples. I'd like to talk just briefly about each one of these in this great text of Peter's. To begin with, we are to shepherd God's flock, exercising oversight, not under compulsion. I love this. We are to do it willingly. We're to, doing it, we're to do it as God would have us do it. That is what Peter said. Shepherd the flock of God among you. Exercise oversight. That's a wonderful term. Not under compulsion, but willingly. You see, to be a shepherd, by definition, is to provide oversight. It is authority given to lead. Not, not to drive, not to beat, not to coerce, not to manipulate. It is oversight for the sake of care. As a matter of fact, if you did a little word study in the New Testament and just looked at all of the words that talk about shepherding or tending, all of them have the connotation, quite literally, of taking care of. It's an intimate thing. You cannot take care of sheep unless you smell like sheep. There are these, there are these leaders who want to be pastors and churches. They want to run ministry, and yet they can't stand people. That's like saying, I love marriage and family, but I don't want to do, have anything to do with wives and children. That person is confused, right? You can't love family without loving kids, right? And kids, kids are not the way they appear. I remember we had three wonderful children. We loved them very much. I wanted to be a dad. I thought it was wonderful. Uh, but the first three months of a, of a colic-based child is an amazing reality. It completely changes your understanding of family. Shepherding is closely tied to oversight. The word episcopuntes or episkopos, it occurs five times in the New Testament. And every one of them, it relates to this idea of voluntary, radical, out-of-control, reckless caregiving. It means you put your life in between the sake of those who are most vulnerable and most hurting, and you care for them. It is a representation of that. To be ordained is to admit that I have been given authority, I've been given a charge to give radical care on behalf of those who may not either acknowledge it, pay it back, or even appreciate it. It has nothing to do with the object of ministry. It has everything to do with the call. Dear friends, I don't care. I've pastored churches that were so little, quite literally, uh, they, they were tiny. We met in homes. Uh, it didn't, I, I've, I've cared for, for believers who can never pay uh, our salary or anything like that. Uh, it has nothing to do with the size of the ministry or what God calls me to. When you say yes to Christ, then you say yes to I am willing to put my life and all I have in a position to care for others under your authority. It's a beautiful thing, guys. I'm not lying. I remember when I grew up, I was growing up, uh, my dad died when I was 10. I had six sisters and a brother. We lived in a little two-bedroom house in the near northeast area of town. And every time I went outside, usually to be a bad boy and get in trouble, my mother put this picture right next to the doorway as you opened it. You couldn't go out of our house without me seeing this picture of the Nazarene sort of cuddling this, 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 this little lamb, this little vulnerable, stupid, prone to wander, prone to be hurt lamb. Now, my mother probably had some insight in that. We were all kind of stupid. I like to wander. 
My head is not, not perfectly round now from the shepherd crook knots that the Lord all my life long has had to give me. Dear friends, of the eight children who grew up in that ghetto here, five of us are ordained in the ministry. Something was working. Something was working for a little poor woman, a little sharecropping sister from Swifttown, Mississippi, to put that picture up and to nurture us into Don. You are never too smart to use the Lord. The Lord needs, the Lord, your need for the Lord is real. And he is willing to care for you. John 10, 16 through 18, every Christian should memorize. Jesus said, no, Jesus, when he was talking to others about being the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep, he said, no one took my life from me. I lay it down on my own account. I received a command from the Father, and now I lay it down. He said, I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up. Jesus could say in John 12, 25, he said, unless a little grain of wheat falls into the ground and die, it remains alone. But if you kill it, if it dies, if it bursts open, if it loses its own identity, it can become this great harvest yielding seed. Guys, the only way you can think about ordain is, is the people here today are co committing themselves to, 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 to live their lives in such a way that they can be used on the basis of, an, of another. This is an amazing thing. I'll celebrate my 43rd uh, year full year in ordained ministry this year, 43. When you live that long and you serve that long and you serve little people who can't pay you back, when you serve pimps and whores and folk in church like that, Jesus loves human beings no matter where they're from. It doesn't matter who they are and where they're, where they're at. If they are people, they're to be cherished. God loves people and no one can say they know Christ if they don't have that same love. I don't do this because I have to. I do this because I want to bring a smile to the face of the Nazarene. I can't wait to see him. I want to be like him. He, he, he hunted me down. How many times has he followed me and forgiven me and helped me and healed me and bandaged me and taken care of me? Ministry is nothing but being him to the people that he brings into your path. Guys, this is a wonderful thing. You don't have to be an ordained pastor to do this. Every one of us who are Christian can be like Christ. You love him. You sing to him. Look at him. He gave everything he had for us. He didn't owe anything back. How on earth can I be stingy now? I intend on giving the rest of my time in this body to him. I'm going to do everything I can to bring him glory. I don't care where I work or what I do or where I serve. It doesn't matter. This is important. When he, was, when he asked his most beloved disciple, if you take all the names of all the apostles in, in the New Testament and list them out, each one, Bartholomew, all of them, every citation, there are more citations to Peter than all of the other guys put together. Uh, you can bundle all the names of all the apostles and everything. Peter is mentioned more than anyone. And when the Lord said, do you love me? Do you care for me? Man, what a, what a, what a word to hear from the Nazarene. Man, I can't wait to have coffee with him someday. By the way, coffee is going into the kingdom untouched. <laughs> Kenyan double A coffee, that is. Not any old brand of coffee. <laughs> That's a theological insight. I, I... Guys, don't you see? The heart of the Nazarene, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. You want to show that you care for me? You want to show that, you, that I'm important to you? Go find some little wandering, vulnerable, small person and love them in my name. That is what it means to love me. Dear friends, this is, we don't do this out of compulsion. No, we don't. We do it willingly. The second point, we don't do it for shameful gain. We do it eagerly. Look at what Peter says, this second point. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, not because we have to, but willingly from the heart, as God would have us. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Guys, this whole thing of, of willingness here, there's a Greek word. It's the best way to de define this word in Peter's passage, is to watch diligently 
on purpose. You do it entirely willingly. It's a, there's a, to be an ordained person is to be a volunteer. There are, there's no one just enlisted in this. It's all goodwill, and it's never for greed or dishonest gain. I love the old King James rendition of this one Greek word, filthy lucre, to do it for some tainted motive, to do it for money, or to do it for, for any other thing. We are agents of Jesus of Nazareth. Those who are ordained have separated themselves out and all of their futures and all of their money and all of their time, all of their bodies, all their opportunity for the glory of God, the advance of the kingdom, for the edification of his people. Guys, this eagerness here means that we do it absolutely with no other intent but to bring him glory. I love this. This is the way to be free as an ordained minister. Don't care about the fruit. Don't care where you serve. I'll serve him anywhere. I'll do anything for him. I'm willing to do it. He gave everything for me. I'll work anywhere. I'll work is honorable. We can baptize accountants, chemists, teachers, plumbers, everyone, cobblers, popes, everyone in the world. Now, if it's not illegal or immoral or stupid, God Almighty embraces that. You can do any sort of work. That's not who you are. You are not your job. Now, see, in the black church, they'd be standing up waving handkerchiefs. Look, you are not your job. You can do anything. All jobs are wonderful. We do what we do for Christ. We do what we do for him. So that means if you're a teacher, then, look, you're being paid by USD 259, but it doesn't matter what you do. One of my favorite jobs I ever had ever for the Lord, was selling hardware to these brothers. I, I mean, these, these guys, these construction workers. I've worked with them for a number of years. It was just wonderful being with them, so honest, so, so, so precise, so, so blunt. They, they, it was wonderful. The greatest, the greatest gift I've ever received in acknowledgement was at the Christmas party of the construction company. These guys went together and bought me a Bible. It wasn't the right translation. It wasn't very pretty, but the guys wanted to help me. They acknowledged what I was. That meant more to me than all the things I've gotten at Wheaton College and all these other things. For, for ordinary believers to see that eagerness and to taste your love, your hospitality, your willingness to wash their feet, to acknowledge them, to pray for them, to care for them. Guys, that's the motive behind ministry. It's not in order for you to get a paycheck. I'd do this for nothing. I'd do this for free. I don't care where I do it. I passed the churches that on a good Sunday, we had 22 people, and the full amount of money in the plate was less than $30. Does it matter at all where you serve, ordinance? You think it matters to him? You should give everything you are if there are three people in your ministry or 3,000. I've spoken for promise keepers in stadiums that could fit 80,000 people in it. And I have kicked it hard with, with druggers and others in my living room, and it don't make no difference to me. I serve Jesus of Nazareth. I do that eagerly. I don't care. I'm telling you, this is the way to play this game. You remember the little Chinese game? You put the little straw thing, and you just, Mommy, I can't get out. I can't. And, and your mother or, or your friend says, just relax, and then take it off. Because it's a game you cannot win if you try you cannot win the game of ministry by trying to, to, to do it for your own self-gain, your own accolade, your own ministry, you.com. That is not the way to do ministry. It's not. As a matter of fact, this is very good. Paul, Paul agrees with Peter in this one text in Titus. He says, for an overseer, for a shepherd, a caregiver, as God's steward must be above reproach, must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent, or greedy for gain. It's the one thing that will destroy a minister in a moment, in an eye blink. Just think, of, just think of the landscape of evangelical leaders who have just completely lost who they are because they did ministry for some personal self-aggrandizement. They did it for money. They did it for what they could get. They did it for notoriety. They wanted to be well-known. They didn't want to serve the Nazarene behind the curtain in some little God-forsaken place with people who can't pay you back. 
That is the core of authentic ministry. That's the core of what it is. We don't do it for shameful gain. We do it eagerly. Uh, we're not like Simon. In Acts chapter 8, Simon saw Peter ministering. He said, give me this power, man. I'll even give you money. I'd like to be like you. And Peter rebuked him. This isn't for salary or position or accolade. It doesn't matter where you serve. Right now, or, ordained folk, you cannot dictate where the Lord Jesus is going to send you. There are no board meetings in heaven. He takes no email. He doesn't do Snapchat or Instagram. He's a Lord. He can speak directly to your soul and tell you what to do. And he will not change his mind. You say no to him today, 10 years later, he'll bring this original contract to you. He's a Lord. Look, we, we're, in, we're in a country of Democrats and Republicans. We have primaries and stuff. None of that occurs in heaven. He's a Lord. He does what he wants to do with whomever he wants to. By you saying this today, you're saying I'm willing to do anything you want. I'll go anywhere you say. I'll do anything you say. And I'll serve in any role you want me to. This is a major day, right? This is a major day for Christ church. You have people who are laying their lives before the Lord in this way. And then the final thing. Guys, not under compulsion, but willingly, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, but, and finally, not domineering over those under our charge, but as examples to the flock. That's what, Paul's, what Peter said. We don't dominate them. We don't, we, don't, we don't manipulate them. We don't coerce people. There is no authority. There is no call, no anointing to just dominate people. None. We don't lord it over. This word literally in the Greek means to lord over with harsh and brutal treatment. There is no authority in the church to do that. This acknowledgement today is not an acknowledgement uh, for, for you to dominate. It's a, it's, it's, an, it's a confirmation of radicality. You're called to be radical, but for the sake of care, to come under, to be low. The grace of God works like water. It goes to the lowest spot first. It begins there and then comes up. The entirety of Jesus' career is one long downward point into the cross. And then at the cross, he's exalted. That's the way Christianity works. It's just the opposite of what you think. It's not public. It's not power. It's little people. It's small things. It's behind the curtain. It means nothing about that. If you can, if you can get this, then you change. You change. And therefore, your ministry becomes fruitful. Dear friends, leaders don't drive people. They direct them, and they do that by example. The word here, examples to the flock, it's a, it's a rich word. It's where we get our word type, typos. It's the plural of that, typoid. Be, be examples to them. Be a model for them. There is no authority for a leader to just dominate and be owned and harass and manipulate and be cruel just because you have authority. doesn't say anything about your responsibility to, to, to harm people. There is no shepherding authority for harm. If it involves harm, it's not from Christ. It's a simple, very clear thing. J John Wesley wrote this one little book way back when, and the name of the book is Do No Harm. That's a great title for ordination. Do no harm. Love does no harm to anyone, Paul can say in Romans 13. Guys, there are two great texts in the Bible that talk about shepherding authority. Uh, from the, in the Old Testament, from a negative standpoint, Jeremiah 23 and Ezekiel 34. And if you have time, you should look, just read those quickly. If you look at these texts, you will get God's mind about authority and domination and harsh treatment. Look what God says about the shepherds of Ezekiel's day and what they failed to do and what the results were. Ezekiel 34.4 reads, The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back. You lost the loss you have not sought, and with force and harshness, you have ruled them. And amazingly, this is the result of that treatment. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts. Guys, you know the great image of Messiah in the prophets is this picture. Uh, and I just gave you an example of this picture. 
uh, our Lord, who he is going to become, how he has led you. There are many of you who your whole lives, you sort of pretended that you could be a strong Christian on your own. Guys, you've needed his shepherding from the very first day you, you said it. There have been times in your life when you thought you were alone, you've never been alone. He's never turned his back on you. He would never lie to you, never mislead you. He's always been there for you. He's a shepherd. He's up all night looking at you, wondering about you, protecting you from things that you don't even know about. His eyes are keen. He never gets tired. He, this is the picture of the Nazarene. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. This is the picture of the Nazarene. You know how, why I love being a shepherd? Because I've been shepherded so well. <laughs> He's taken care of me. When I lost my son, I just look at a thousand different things, all the people I've lost, all the harsh things that I've endured. And the master was there. He always comes and rescues me. He's climbed rocks and defended me from wild beasts. He is my shepherd, and therefore I can now shepherd. That's the way it works. Dear friends, there's not a person in this room who does not need the shepherding ministry of Jesus of Nazareth. You weren't designed to live on your own. You weren't. You can't make it by yourself. You can pretend, be strong, act like it. it, it you've always needed him, and he's never let you go. That's one prayer you don't have to pray. He won't deny himself. He is a shepherd. He will care for you. Dear friends, this is what our ordinance have to look forward to. A life of service and radical care that's done willingly, eagerly, and without any sort of sense of domination. Guys, the reward is that each one of them is going to receive personal recognition from the chief shepherd. Look at how Peter ends this little text. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. I must admit, I look forward to the moment that I see Jesus of Nazareth for myself. Uh, this, is an actual, this is an actual crown that was found in the, in the third century of uh, the sort of crowns that were given those who were victors. Uh, it's just simply a leaf, and uh, it attaches to the head. It's pulled through, and, 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 and the one who was in charge of the games, he was the one that gave it. They all came to the Bema seat, and then all the competitors would come forward, and then the crown would be attached. Peter says that every single person who serves in his name will be personally recognized by the shepherd himself. This is a whole lot different from Christ church or anything else. You should remember this. There's a moment coming. <laughs> There's a moment coming when you're going to have an opportunity to talk to him personally. It's, it's, it's the greatest thing in my life. It's the thing I live for. But I know now that you can't get that crown without getting the thorns. There is no such thing as that for a Christian. How can every other saint in the Bible have to go through everything and you get off scot-free? Why are you so different? Why, why do you not suffer or go through anything? Yes, you will. Everyone who lives godly in Christ will suffer persecution. That's what I love about the shepherding ministry, guys. It's a hard, taxing, difficult, and dangerous life. They were exposed to the elements and wild beasts, they were outside all the time. It was a, it was a, it's a menacing light. Uh, it's for a person who lives his entire life for the sake of these vulnerable little independent sheep that are more than willing to run off and lose their way. Dear friends, we commissioned a picture at the Institute for the sake of the pastors that we train all over the world now. It was done to show them, these leaders that are emerging in the 19 countries where we serve, uh, what, what pastoral ministry is. You can't see it too well, but there's a shepherd there and some sheep behind him and, and a lion uh, of the, the kind that sort of roam sometimes, a big male. Guys, this is what ministry is. Ministry is putting yourself in between the vulnerable and those who want to hurt it. It means that you lay your life down in order that they can live. It means that you pay whatever price you need to pay to be there when they need you and to give everything you have while you can. This is, this is Christian ministry. This is what it means to pastor, to be in ministry, to be like the Nazarene. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no, e no evil because your rod and your staff are with me. Guys, that's not just some little happy story. 
That's because the Nazarene is standing against everything that's evil in your life. He's never turned his back on you. He will never leave you, no matter what you say. He will not deny himself. And he's calling a generation of men and women to be just like him to his people. And that is what we're doing here today. That's what this is. So, dear friends, look, there's much more to be said, but enough has been said. We are to shepherd God's flock and exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering, but, but, but as examples to the flocks. And no one who, who ever thinks about ministry like this can, can possibly think they can do this on their own. This is, this, is, this is way greater than you can bear. You cannot be God's person and do this on your own judgment. No matter study or teaching, no matter preparation can prepare you for this. This is more than what you can do. But with man, everything, the things that are impossible with God, everything is possible. God will give you the grace and the strength to represent his interests among those who cannot pay you back in dangerous places purely because it's consistent with the life of the Nazarene. And this is what I pray for all of us. Guys, I don't just pray this for, the, for those who are being ordained. I pray this for, for you too. You in your life have needed a shepherd and he shepherded you. You cannot be on your own. And we should stand behind these who are being called because as surely as God is alive, they're going to have to be counted someday in this great, great suffering on behalf of our Lord. He gave everything for us. And now we have the privilege to give our lives back to him. I can't wait till I see him. I can't. I want that to be a good me. I want that to be a good me. Would y'all pray with me now? Father, we can't wait to see the Nazarene. We love him. He's given everything for us. All these years, he stood by us and watched over us. And now, Lord, today, five recognize his authority in some new special way in their lives. So, Lord, I pray for them. I pray for us. I pray for Christ's church. Thank you for a church that still believes that a living Christ an anointed Christ can dispense gifts and blessings to those who represent him uh, in the world today. And Father, we give our lives to you. We give who we are to you so that your name can be lifted up, so that your kingdom can grow, that your church can, can be expanded. We give who we are and what we've got to you, knowing that you will multiply into fruit that, that honors your great name. Lord, we say all of this in anticipation of this amazing moment when we will see you face to face and you will acknowledge what we've done for you in this life. We love you. We serve you. All we got, we give back to you to honor you alone. In your high name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Yeah, and I'm going to ask Pastor Don to pray over these ordination candidates. So yes, if you'd come, thank you. candidates who are being ordained, your spouses should come and join you now. And uh, line up across the front. Our elders are going to come, those who are here this morning, uh, to anoint you with oil in the name of Jesus. ask you if you would stand. We're going to start here on this end. If you'd anoint Pastor Norm, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jeff, come gather around. Let's pray for uh, Norm and Crystal. Pastor, would you pray for us? Certainly. Eternal God, our Father, God and Father of our Lord Jesus, the Chief Shepherd. Thank you for Norm and Crystal. Thank you for the, your hand on his life, just hearing his testimony. Lord, this has been a process. You walk with him. You walk with them. And now, Lord, he's come to this point to represent you, to be your agent, to advance your kingdom, to be, to be dubbed, anointed, empowered by your authority, to care for those who are small and vulnerable and, and needy. Lord, give him wisdom. Flood him with power. 
Give him new, a new sense of himself. Bless their family. Watch over them and give them grace. Let them serve you with honor. Lord, willingly, eagerly, as an example. And Lord, I pray with great, with great fervency that he will have a wonderful greeting with you that moment when he sees you and gives account of his ministry to you. Thank you again for Norm. Bless him. Bless his family. And we entrust their lives and ministry to you in the high name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. This is Pastor Kathy. Let's anoint her in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Just extend your hand toward her if you would. If you feel comfortable doing that. Pastor, pray Lord Jesus, uh, we want to entrust Kathy to you. Thank you for her and Dennis and their children, their lives. Lord, Lord, you bless them. You've, you, have, you, have, you have used them. You have, you've gained much fruit through their lives. And now, Lord, you have called her to a new season, a new epoch, a new stage of the journey. We're armed with your authority, confirmed, Lord, with your own anointing, acknowledged by her peers and her church. You are now launching her, Lord, into a new phase. I thank you for hope for Hope Ranch for Women. I thank you for what you're doing there and all the other things you have in store for her ministry. Lord, I pray for a full anointing, a filling of your Holy Spirit, a courage and a, and a wisdom. Give her resources and opportunities. Just bless her life and all her colleagues. Just come alongside them and strengthen them and bless them. And Lord, all the fruit that is born, receive all the praise and the honor and the glory. For you and you alone are worthy. I know she loves you. Please, Lord, use her life now to honor your great name. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen. Pastor Doug and Mickey Hodgins. Let's anoint them with oil in the name of Jesus. These are all being anointed just as Aaron was anointed with oil. Very first one who was set apart and ordained for this role. Let's pray for Pastor Doug and make you just extend your hand toward them if you would. Yes, Father, uh, we are we are so so thankful for this dear servant, for their family, for what you've done in their lives. Father, it's 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 a beautiful thing to see what you've done. Just hearing his testimony, just seeing who their lives are. Lord, it's just glorious what you're doing. And they followed you and listened to you. They've obeyed you. And now finally, Lord, today, they are publicly acknowledging your own anointing, your own empowerment, the filling of your Holy Spirit. Lord, to open up their future, a brand new future, where they can represent you and honor you and bless you. So in the high name of Christ, Lord, I just pray for a full anointing and filling of your spirit on them and their family. Lord, bless them, each one. Give this dear brother, Lord, real insight into what you want him to do. Give them patience and clarity. Give them hunger and opportunity. Open up new doors for him, for them. And bless them, Lord, in every way. Let your blessing be on them in a, in a very fruitful way. That the boys and girls, the men and women who hear about you will be disciples of the Nazarene. They will love him from the heart. And your name will be exalted because of who they are and what they're doing in this church and beyond. And we'll give you all the glory and the praise for everything that you are doing in and through them. For Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. For Brandon, Pastor Brandon and Corey, let's anoint them in the name of Jesus. Pray for them as we ordain them in the name of Jesus. Father Brandon and Corey have given themselves to you uh, as these other dear, dear families have. Father, I just thank you for this day. This day, Lord, is a result of much prayer and preparation and pondering. Lord, you've done so many things in their lives to get them to this place today. And now, Lord, you are, you are a living God. Christ, you are alive. And you have, by your anointing, you have, you have singled them out. You've identified them. Lord, you have prepared them. And now you are releasing them as your own ambassadors into this place. 
Thank you for Christ Church, for the elders, for the pastors, and how they acknowledge this. And I just pray now that Brandon and Corey would just live into this great day, that they would, they would have a brand new picture of who Jesus of Nazareth is, his love and faithfulness, his, his, his willingness to sacrifice so much for those who are so small. Lord, reproduce your life in them. Give them your mind. Open up doors that they can represent you. Help them not be afraid. Make them radically, recklessly hospitable. Just open up their lives so they can be the vessels that will honor you wherever you lead them. And let every fruit, every soul, all people who are encouraged, let every thanksgiving be to you. You receive all the praise as a result of this day and what they do. In your name, I pray. shift over and Pastor David and Lauren Carrillo and uh, those of you who are here from Cristo Victorioso would you come gather around them and Katrina would you hand everyone their gift this morning as they're coming if you're here from Cristo Victorioso why don't you come down and gather around Pastor David I know several were here at 9 o'clock some of you were here at 11 um, and Katrina hand me one of those gifts if you would Brandon and I want to show everyone as the church from Cristo is gathering each um, Ordinan will, will receive today a, uh, a certificate of ordination, and um, I'm not sure whose that is, um, and also, huh? <laughs> and also a bronze statue of Jesus washing Peter's feet. I have one of these on my desk, and every day that I look at that, it reminds me of what my role is. I'm a foot washer. That's what we do. We serve. We wash feet. And uh, so each, each one being ordained today is being ordained into the ministry of foot washing, <laughs> servants following the example of Jesus. And I sense that God is leading some of you as well. Mm -hmm. That's what God does. He sends the Holy Spirit to touch our hearts and lead us one step at a time to surrender completely and fully. And my sense is God's touching some of you because that's He's going to continue calling out His sons and daughters to lead and expand the kingdom of God all around the world. Um, I would just encourage you, don't do like I did and wait three years to finally say yes. Just agree with what God's saying. God's always right. That's right. Amen? Amen. Just agree with Him. Respond to His leadership. Let's pray, Pastor, for yeah. Pastor David and Lauren. Eternal God, God and Father of our Lord Jesus. We lift up to you right now in this place, David and Lauren and their family. Lord, thank you for David and him so young, so long ago. You spoke to him, even as a child, about what you wanted him to be. He is today with Lauren. Today, they are not disobedient to that vision. They are affirming the truth that, Jesus, you are alive, that you love them, that you, you still speak, that you enter into our hearts and minds and spirits and you direct us. And you challenge us to be obedient to you. So, Lord, I do. I entrust in Christ's name this dear couple into your hand. For David and his ministry and the dear church, Lord, uh, that is here in their presence, Lord, we acknowledge that the Holy Spirit lives in him, that, that your spirit, Lord, has in, endowed him with gifts and opportunities, uh, new directions with journeys. Lord, that you will lead him project by project episode by episode, step by step, you will lead him where you want him to go. So bless he and Lauren. Give them unity and vision and hunger. Help them not to be afraid. Give them courage. Make them strong. Help them willing and ready to, to go into new places, to go, new, to, to go to places where no one else would go. Just speak to them and touch them. Thank you for their heart. So young and so hungry. Just anoint them and bless them. Lead them and use them. And do it all for the sake, the greater glory of our Lord Jesus and the advance of his kingdom. The time is short. The harvest is great. And you've raised them up 
Use them now in Christ's name for your greater glory wherever you lead them. We'll give you all the praise and honor for all the fruit that is about to occur in all of these, all of these dear candidates. Lord, in all of their lives, thank you for the fruit, the men and women, the boys and girls who will find peace and get clarity because they are now in, or, ordained in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Bless them all as ambassadors of Jesus for his high praise and in his name. Let's all uh, thank our friend and pastor, Dr. <laughs> David. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I know that this is a very different service, but we still want to pray for you. If you want prayer and need prayer for anything at all, our altar team is here and we'll be available to pray with you as others are released. You can go. But if, but if you want to pray, stay here. We'll pray for you. That's part of what we do every week. So we want to continue to minister to one another. I also want to encourage you to um, greet these uh, new ordained ministers in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Congratulate them, pray for them, and let's celebrate what God's doing in our midst. This is a whole new chapter in the life of this body of Christ, and it's an exciting time to be a part of it. I'm glad you're here. Let's pray. And remember to, uh, to leave your tithes and offerings, your prayer requests, all before you leave. Father, thank you for this, this holy moment that you have ordained for us to walk in. We pray your continued blessing on each person who's here. And Lord, we pray that you will minister to each heart as the great shepherd. Yes. Use each one of us to minister to one another. And especially these who've been set apart, Lord, continue to grow them and develop them and raise them up as the servants, the, the foot washers, the leaders, the shepherds under the great shepherd that you've called them to be. It's in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. 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 Have a wonderful week. See you soon. God bless.